My friends, let us hear the word of the Lord this morning. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy inhabitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, our Father, we pray that you would anchor us in your reality again this day, we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. And if you would, grab your Bibles. You can open them to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Today we are looking at what it means to lean into the Lord's peace. Uh, I grew up in my high school age. uh, My friends were all a year older than I was. I don't know how that happened, but my peer group, my friend group happened to be a year older. And consequently, they all got their driver's licenses a year ahead of me. And so for that year, they would gather on weekends and in the evenings, they would all get together, they'd drive, they'd meet somewhere, and they'd have a lot of fun. And I remember during that year before I got my driver's license and was able to join them, that there was a, a, a fidgetiness, there was an, a, a, an upsetness that I was missing getting together with my friends. And I realized that I was missing getting together with my friends, and I was concerned about that. I was suffering from FOMO fear of missing out. Long before FOMO, fear of missing out was a thing, but I was suffering from it. Uh, Many of you know that that's a low-level sense of anxiety or angst that you're not joining in with all the fun that everybody else is having, and it's easy to identify some of the causes of FOMO in our society. But the reality is that we live in a society right now where anxiety where angst, where worry and stress are heavily upon the rise. 2021, the CDC determined that there was an increase of 25% in the mental health diagnoses across the United States. Since 2008, that diagnosis rate has tripled, tripled among young adults. 70% of teens in the recent poll that was taken, 70% of teens say that anxiety and angst, stress, is a major problem for their peers. 70%. Two-thirds of all college students have identified that at some point in their college experience, they experienced an overwhelming anxiety in overwhelming anxiety. If you spend any time looking at the news, et cetera, you know that the suicide rate is skyrocketing. 
especially among our young. We live in a society where anxiety and angst and worry and stress are overwhelming. To some extent, it's a small thing. It can be a low-level issue like my sense of FOMO, or it can become a very significant issue that needs significant intervention and treatment. But the reality is, is that we live in a time period where stress is on the rise, anxiety is on the rise, and I'm not sure that we are doing a great job as a society of helping each other cope with that and deal with the increasing stress and anxiety. We're looking at the book of the Psalms, we're looking at different Psalms, and what I'm encouraging us to do is look not so much at the uh, content or not so much at the theology that the psalm is communicating as more the experience of the author. What is the author going through and how is he communicating that experience for us? And in part because that is such a wonderful way for us to connect to the scriptures together, particularly to connect with the psalms, particularly as the psalms lead us collectively to lean into the Lord. So the idea is not just to share in our misery for all of us to sit around together and say, yes, we are in a stressful time period of our life, so was the author of the psalm, so let's just collectively experience our sorrow together. Rather, the idea is to say, look, this is a reality that the scriptures themselves have dealt with, and this is something that we can experience with the author in such a way that we can lean into the Lord, and today, what I believe the psalmist desires for us to do is to lean into his peace, to lean into his peace. So the idea here of the psalm, looking at the psalm, is not to come up with a list of four steps that you're supposed to take every time you feel anxious about something that are guaranteed to bring you into peace with the Lord. It's nothing like that. The reality of this psalm is simply this, that the psalmist himself is overcome with stress overcome with anxiety, and this is the way he experiences it. And in the way he experiences it, I hope that you will also hear a way or an experience for all of us, and perhaps a, a worldview, or perhaps a, a way in which by leaning into the Lord, we can experience some of the same types of ways in which the author himself here experienced the notion of anxiety or stress. And how does he begin? The author begins in verse 1, and we're going to spend a lot of time in verse 1 because it's an important way of understanding the experience of the author. The author starts with a burst of confidence, with an assertion of faith. This is what he says in the midst of the, the period of stress or anxiety that he is experiencing. Incidentally, we don't know exactly the historical background of this psalm. Some of the psalms are given in light of particular instances that happen, and we can see the particular instance, the historical events that took place, and try to draw some conclusions to that. that not so with this psalm. This psalm rather just captures, perhaps it captures a period of great stress for the author, or it captures a period of normal stress that all of us go through each and every day. One way or another, he leans into the Lord's peace in the midst of it, and I want us to see how he does that 
in part because, again, we all share in that same experience. And our society is increasingly so in positions where we will need to lean into the Lord's peace. Don't, again, take this as steps for how you are going to rid yourself of, of the stress of everyday life. Or any, that's not the point of this psalm. The point of this psalm is to simply say, this is the way the author dealt with this experience, and is it not something that all of us collectively can see and agree with as well. Verse 1, the author starts with this burst of confidence, this assertion of faith. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What I want you to notice first about this line is that there's no defense of the line. There's no explanation of it. There's no support that is given. This is not a theological statement that the author is making and that he's going to prove it to us. He doesn't, this is not an apologetic, this is not something where he says, let me show you that you can trust in the Lord, that he's our strength, that he's our refuge, or something like that. There's no, there, there's no uh, big explanation that attaches itself to this assertion. This is simply an assertion. This is simply his statement of faith. God is our refuge and our strength. Now, the reason why I think that's important is because I deal with stress in my life and I deal with other people that are in stressful situations. And again, this can be low-level stress that we experience every day or a really significant uh, mental health issue for an individual. As I deal with people like that, they don't want a long, convoluted articulation of the theology that undergirds God's sovereignty. That's not what they want to hear. They're in a stressful situation. They're in a moment of feeling anxiety, of worry, of concern about something or another. The last thing they want is this big dialogue about the theological underpinnings that happen along those lines. That's not what they're looking for. That's not what the author here provides. He simply provides a statement of faith. And so often that's exactly what we all have to do with each other. Two implications of that. First is you can't make that assertion of faith if at some point in your life you don't go through the theological, biblical training, the understanding in which you can gain with this, this is why you come to church not just when things are terrible and you come to church when, oh, I just need an, a, a shot of good strength so that I can understand my life a little better. No, we come to church when things are great. We come to church when things are rough. You read your scriptures when things are wonderful. You read your scriptures when things are tough because what we're doing is we're gaining that kind of insight that then when trouble comes, we can lean heavily into the Lord and lean upon him. And that's the second thing that's happening here. And it's something that I, it, if I can encourage you to walk away with something, it is this. Preach the gospel to yourself. I've said that in other settings, and I'll probably say it again uh, over the year ahead of us. Preach the gospel to yourself. In other words, don't hesitate to remind yourself of the things that you know to be true. You know that God is majestic. You know that God is the salvation. You know that Christ died for your sins. You know, say these things to yourself. It is amazing what it is about how God has built us to hear and to respond to the gospel. And if in your time of stress and your time of trial, there's not somebody there that can say to you, remember, God is your refuge. 
and say it to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. This assertion is that God is our refuge. Now, a little bit later in the passage, God speaks about, uh, or the author speaks about God being our fortress. And so I don't know what you immediately jump to when you hear God is our refuge. Um, I immediately jump to a battlement or, you know, a, a castle, a big fortress or something like that. Um, and again, that imagery is picked up later in the psalm. That's not necessarily this picture. The picture of a refuge is a place of shelter in the storm. That's, that's what the author is asserting here. That God is that place of refuge in the storm. If you've never really been caught in a storm, it's hard for you perhaps to appreciate what the author is saying. Uh, two different times in my life I've been caught in a storm. And I don't mean as you're running from the car to the building or something like that. I, uh, for me, one point was with my family out way out in the woods and a deluge is coming upon us. And we were boogieing back to the shelter and the shelter was just a, a lean-to wasn't even a full-blown building, a shack. It was just a lean-to. And yet you have no idea of the sense of, of comfort, the sense of peace, the sense of assurance that came upon the whole family when we finally got to the shelter. God is a refuge. That is that there's this a shelter in the midst of There's the assumption of the storm. There's the assumption that things are chaotic. And the, and the author's point here is that God is that, that sense of peace. And if you haven't had that experience of being caught in a storm, then you will underplay what it's like to yearn for that sense of God as a shelter in our lives. God is our, shel our, our refuge and he is our strength. Um, this is not a, a theoretical observation. This is not the author saying, look at all the muscles God has. You know, he's, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever. You know, he's, he, this is not, look at all how strong God is. Um, the word strength here is, is strength in action. This is God acting on our behalf. God acting for his people. Our God is a refuge. He is a shelter in the midst of the storm. And he is our strength. That is, that he is acting even now on our behalf. He is a very present help in trouble. Um, trouble is too weak a word. It, it, the, the trouble here at the end of verse 1, uh, it, it, you have to recognize that it's the kind of trouble that is overwhelming, uh, that you can't get out of yourself. A lot, most of the trouble that I get myself into, I can, you know, with God's grace, kind of work my way out of it and those kind of things. That's not the trouble here. The trouble here is, is an overwhelming difficulty, danger that threatens to destroy. God is a very present help. Um, help sometimes gives the idea of assistance. Uh, so I, I, I can tinker with things around the house, uh, but I'm not great at it. And it's great to know some good friends that will help me out whenever I'm over my head with a work project and, you know, they can come and they can help me, they can assist me, that kind of stuff. That's great. That's not the help that's talking about here. The help that is spoken of here is when I need brain surgery. I'm not helping, the doctor's not helping me as I tinker in my own brain. 
the doctor is helping me by doing that which I cannot do. And that's exactly what the help is that was spoken of here. God is our very present help. He's the one that acts on your behalf when you cannot. Um, very present. It's just a weird way of phrasing things. We don't talk like that. Uh, God's a very present help. But what's being stressed, obviously, is that our Lord is present. He is here. He is with you in all times and in all things. So in light of the chaos, in light of the difficulties that are surrounding you, the, the picture here is to lean into the God's peace. And you do so by asserting that which you know to be true. God is our refuge. God is our strength. A very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, verse 2, therefore we will not fear. Now, I want to be clear about this. This is not the author saying, therefore I will control my emotions and I will not experience fear. That's not, I don't believe that's what the author's saying because that's not what the work of faith does in our lives. This is not the author saying, because God is our refuge and strength and because I have confidence in that truth of, of the Lord, therefore suddenly the emotions of fear, I don't have any fear, I'm freed up from any concern, any fear. I don't think that's what's happening. What's happening here is that the author is saying, therefore, I will not act in my fear. To not act in your fear is to act according to your faith. That's what the author is saying. In the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of the stress, in the midst of the concern that I'm experiencing right now, because I assert this truth of the gospel, that God is my refuge and strength, therefore I will not act in my fear, but I will act out of faith. And I will act out of faith no matter what circumstance I'm surrounded in. Notice the way in which he talks about it in verse 2 and 3. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved, though the waters roam and form, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, what the author is trying to say here is, look, no matter if the anxiety that you're bumping up into is an earth-shattering kind of anxiety, the, the kind of mental health crisis that you need the kind of assistance that by God's grace is available to us so much in our society, or if this is just a FOMO kind of a situation, a low-level anxiety or stress that is appearing every day in your life, no matter what it is, we will not fear. We will not act out of fear. We will act out of faith because God is our refuge and he is our strength and he is our support and he is our ever-present help in times of trouble. Verse 4 through 9, the author goes on and describes for us what that peace looks like. There's the end of wars. There is the peace that settles upon the earth. There is the fact that everything ceases to rage around the Lord. And because in verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now the city of God is Jerusalem. And the verse is saying that there's a, a stream in Jerusalem, a river in Jerusalem, that brings peace to the people of Jerusalem. Um, geographically, that's actually not accurate. Uh, if you know anything about Jerusalem, you know that Jerusalem is fed, the waters there are, are uh, stream or, or um, um, 
oh, bubbles up from the ground. Springs, uh, they're fed by springs, they're fed by streams, uh, or by wells. There's not really a, a river there that feeds the, the city. So what is the author trying to communicate here? Well, this is very clearly a picture of Eden. This is the Edenic vision of the city of God, the presence of the Lord. What made Eden stand out so beautifully was the presence of God. What marks Jerusalem in the Old Testament vision for what it's supposed to identify is the presence of the Lord. And over and over again, what the psalmist here is identifying is, look, here's the source of my peace, that God's our refuge and our strength because he is present with us. And so you have the refrain in verse 7 and in verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. So then finally you get to verse 10, where you have the Lord interjects his own words. So the author has asserted his faith, he has determined that he is going to act upon his faith, not out of fear, he is claiming the promises of the Lord, and then the Lord speaks. Be still and know that I am God. I'm fidgety. Uh, people who sit near me will notice that I'm fidgety. I play with a pen, or I doodle, or my leg hops a lot, or I'm fidgeting. And people who often sit near me sooner or later lean over and say, Be still. You know, be still. And that's exactly, this is a command of the Lord. This is an imperative. This is not a wish of the Lord. Hey, why don't you calm down a little bit? This is a, now, I don't know, just because we've been preaching out of Mark here recently, but it strikes me very much of when Christ is standing on the boat with the raging seas all around him, and what does he say? Peace, be still. And I think what the Lord is saying to those of us who are, surrounded by a worry and anxiety and angst and stress. He's saying, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Okay, I've been a Christian for 35 years, whatever. I know that he is God. That's not what he's saying. Be still and experience what it's like to rest in the knowledge of the Lord. Be still and know that the Lord is working to exalt his name among all the world, to exalt himself among all peoples. Be still and experience the peace that is yours. My mother used to quote a passage, or uh, quote a, a um, uh, 18th century poet, 19th century poet, uh, God is in his heavens, and all is right with the world. God is in his heavens, and all is right with the world. Uh, it's a summary of verse 10. Uh, it's an articulation of Hebrews chapter, uh, of Habakkuk chapter 2. But it makes that simple point. Be still, and know that I am God. Why? Because he will be exalted in this world. And that means that he will be exalted in your life. Lean into the Lord's peace, the experience of this author, and I hope that it will increasingly be the experience that you have as well. Let's pray together.
Great God in heaven, we do ask that you would enable us to lean heavily into you, to experience the peace that you provide through Jesus Christ our Lord, who